Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you need to develop into a better leader, this podcast is for you. If you want to achieve a greater level of success, this podcast is for you. His mentor, Dr. John C. Maxwell, said it best, everything rises and falls on leadership. We hope to inspire you today and provide you with an insight that has the potential to positively impact the trajectory of your life. Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the May 10th Bay ICT part, um, Tech Talk. And today our guest speaker is Bob Zenga who is head of security or for an organization called Directly. And um, really, Bob, thank you for uh, joining us. I know you're very busy. I wasn't surprised that there was another meeting that was running over because right. that's what my day is like. But anyway, welcome. And I'm going to let you get right into uh, talking about your topic. And um, what we usually do is, you know, you share whatever you whatever you'd like to share. I know what you told us you were going to tell us about was, you know, risk in the face of new incidents and, and exploits like solar wind and the things we're talking about, uh, risk with teleworking, and uh, impact of the human factor. So, take it away. Okay, uh, I guess before we get started. Uh... In, is anybody on this call uh, as a, like a specific question or something they would like me to cover specifically? Well, first of all, most of the most of the uh, uh, participants here are students. We have a couple of faculty, uh, and uh, so again, it's up to you. What we can do is you can just say, "Hey, I'm here. Ask me questions." Uh, or uh, you can uh, say that, you know, here's some things that I was prepared to talk about. It's up to you. Okay. you just open it right up to questions if you like to. Okay, okay. Uh, in, in that case, uh, let's, let's talk about uh, SolarWind for, for a second. I uh, actually uh, recently uh, wrote a paper for Forbes uh, just about that. Uh, it seems like uh, this really was, um, an incident like we've never seen before, right? Uh, never before have uh, people been able to uh, use like a network uh, uh, monitoring uh, software like like they did for SolarWind to to be able to eavesdrop on you know, some of the very really the, the best protected companies in the world, right? Uh, even uh, including the uh, U.S. Uh, government and the Department of uh, Homeland uh, Security. So the three biggest things I kind of got out of that is, and, and I know not everybody uh, agrees with it. I was actually on the round table with um, quite a few CISOs. I think it was two weeks ago. I made this statement and one of them really didn't agree with me. It's like, no, you, that's, that, that cannot be true. But the more I think about it, the, the more I believe it is true that uh, all computer systems are vulnerable, right? So it doesn't matter how much protection you have, if you have a computer, you turn it on and you connect it to the internet, it is vulnerable. Uh, and I also believe that uh, most organizations in the world may already have been compromised, but they just are not aware of it, right? So uh, I'd like to be very careful 
for security professional to, to brag and say, well, we've never been compromised. We never had a data breach. We've never been on, on the first page of the Washington Street Journal or whatever. Our platform is secure. Well, maybe it's already been compromised, but again, you just don't know about it yet, right? So I, as a security professional, I'd rather work on the assumption that my uh, uh, software might be compromised and I need the evidence to show it than uh, to, no, uh, to brag and, and to feel like everything is fine just because I'm following the best practices. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is uh, the security best practices, I guess, uh, with time, they do, they do change. Uh, just like 10 years ago, it was a completely different landscape as it is today, right? I remember when I was working uh, for the University of uh, Alabama and uh, for the US government 10, 15 years ago, Back then, pretty much everything was uh, on-premises, right? We had data center servers and uh, uh, so forth. But today, the great majority of uh, organizations, especially uh, in Silicon Valley, they pretty much have everything uh, on, in uh, uh, the cloud, right? So I believe the security principles pretty much stays the same, but the way we apply them uh, do, uh, do change. Uh, but anyway, the, the main point for, for me really is uh, everything that is, uh, turned on and connected to the internet, uh, well, is going to be compromised sooner or uh, later. So that's number one. And uh, number two, uh, the other point I tried to make uh, with uh, risk is uh, uh, security is more than just uh, technology, right? Uh, usually when we talk about uh, security, we, we talked about uh, technology, about processes and about people. And in my, uh, experience, people have usually been uh, the weakest link, right? And that's why uh, cybersecurity awareness training is extremely important because uh, you can have the best technology uh, in the world, some of the best processes, but uh, if uh, your people are not, uh, uh, I don't wanna say smart, smart enough, but, but if, if they, they, can, uh, uh, they can be, in, uh, I guess, uh, engineered, right? That's why social engineering come come into play where people can actually work with their feelings or entice them to click on links or download uh, attachment, uh, usually that is how uh, the bad guys are gonna be able to get into your so-called secure uh, network. So the culture of the organization is extremely uh, important and security needs to be a part of the uh, culture of the organization. And uh, everybody in the organization from the CEO all the way down I really need to take this quite uh, seriously. Because uh, another thing I have also seen in my experience is usually when somebody is a senior executive in an organization, they feel like rules don't apply to them. They can just do whatever they want, download whatever software they, they want and pretty much do whatever they want when they wanna uh, do it, which is, which is not right because everyone, absolutely everyone uh, should be able to abide by the acceptable use policies and whatever processes are in place, especially uh, those uh, who are senior leaders of the uh, organization. Like even with uh, phishing, which I believe is still probably uh, the uh, most important uh, way for uh, bad guys to uh, get into a net network and uh, access uh, sensitive uh, data. There is even a, a term now in security where we, we talk about spear phishing. That's just when they are really focusing their uh, phishing campaign only to the uh, members of the senior leadership team 
of the organization and getting them to click on links or download uh, malicious uh, attachments so they can uh, eventually uh, get access to the uh, uh, network. But really, uh, I believe the most important uh, point I have to make about uh, security in general is for most organizations today, uh, security really, really needs to be elevated. So uh, I've been in the uh, Navy for about 17 years now. And uh, uh, I guess I moved to Silicon Valley back in 2014, so uh, seven years ago. One, one big difference I've seen between the military and industry is that uh, in the military, more specifically in the Navy, security is extremely, extremely important, right? Uh, security first. And part of the reason is because uh, if we are not secure in the Navy, uh, people are going to die, right? So uh, it is of the utmost important. And that's why in the military, it takes uh, a very, very long time for us to deploy new uh, software because we have to make sure it is uh, secure. Whereas um, when I moved to Silicon Valley, most organizations I've worked for, we have kind of like a two week sprint cycle where we deploy software every two weeks and the software is not always uh, secure actually you can count on the software not um, being secure. And then with time, with several iteration, they go back and fix uh, whatever non um, vulnerabilities uh, uh, happen to, to be in the uh, uh, software. And also another big difference I've seen is in the government, uh, sometimes it seems like uh, budget is really no limitation at all, right? Whatever we need, it looks like Congress always finds a way to uh, uh, give it to us. And uh, you know, in the military, it seems at time that uh, if we ever run out of money, right, uh, we're just gonna print more dollars. But uh, in the industry, uh, Silicon Valley for, for sure, the budget is extremely uh, limited. We have very, very limited resources. And the goal of a business is to make money and to be um, profitable. So I have seen a, a lot of um, businesses, especially when I used to be a, a consultant with a small to medium sized uh, company, where they would kind of uh, give uh, lip service to security and tell the customer or prospective customer, yes, we really, really care about security. And look, we are compliant with you know, SOC 2, Type 2, or ISO 27001, or whatever security frame, framework. But in my experience, uh, it looks like many companies, they just put enough money to become compliant. But there is really a very, very big difference between compliance and security. It is not one and the same thing. And if you don't believe me, right, you just have to ask uh, Target. Uh, so being compliant is one thing and it is uh, a best practice and definitely some, something we should continue to do. But uh, I believe every organization really, really needs to uh, prioritize security from the board level all the way down uh, to the most junior uh, employee of the organization. Security has to be a priority. Uh, something we used to say when I was a program manager at Spearwall is we really wanted to have uh, security baked into our culture, into our software, and not um, be bolted on afterward. And uh, what I have really seen uh, in the industry, more time than not, is uh, they usually focus on the, uh, uh, the functionality of the application. They focus on selling uh, the software and security many times is kind of like an afterthought. So uh, another uh, paper I wrote for uh, the Strike First magazine uh, about uh, kind of how to uh, lead the security function in an engineering centric uh, organization. I uh, mentioned that um, 
when you are working for an organization that is very much engineering centric and they focus on uh, uh, developing uh, software uh, code very, very uh, frequently. Uh, many, many times, especially when you first get uh, started, uh, you really have to focus, I think, on making sure that the software you are developing is as secure as possible. And uh, initially, uh, in my experience, probably the best thing to do, or some of the first thing uh, the security professional should kind of focus on is to uh, really try to focus on uh, red team exercises, right? Uh, things like uh, making sure you have some type of uh, bug bounty program, right? That is when uh, you invite uh, security researchers around the world to come test your software and find vulnerabilities before the bad guys do. And if they do, uh, you then re reward them depending on the uh, severity of the uh, uh, findings. And then you work to, to fix those vulnerabilities again uh, before they are exploited. Uh, by the uh, uh, bad guys. Or uh, also having um, more pen tests, right? The uh, best uh, security practice uh, across the board is to do a pen test at least once annually. But really for engineering centric org organization, I really, really uh, recommend doing it uh, at least once every quarter, at least more than once uh, uh, a year. And uh, one, uh, technique I've, I've used that seems to be working pretty good is to even have like a uh, web uh, automated uh, penetration test. There are a couple of vendors that do that, but basically as soon as your code is uh, deployed, you can uh, actually have uh, this web platform go through the code and pretty much uh, execute a uh, web application uh, pen test in real time and kind of uh, let you know what the vulnerabilities are and, and give you again, a chance to fix those before the um, bad guys uh, kind of uh, dis discover them. And uh, of course, also having a quarterly or, or monthly vulnerability scan. So you, you can find out from within the organization kind of uh, uh, what the uh, level of uh, patching of a security risk might, might be with the endpoints end within your uh, infrastructure. And uh, eventually, though, I think uh, for a secure, for a engineering centric organization, the end goal is to really uh, shift security all the way to the left, uh, meaning you want to uh, find out whether the uh, software has bugs and vulnerability before it is published. So have it as, as close to the uh, developer as uh, possible. Uh, that is uh, uh, really where. I, I believe organizations should uh, really uh, aim uh, to be. Uh, well, before the uh, code is merged into the uh, main repos uh, repository that it is uh, tested for at least the no, top, top 10 OWASP uh, vulnerabilities. And then if they are found, that also gives uh, you a, a chance to uh, train the uh, developer uh, to kind of know what's acceptable, what is not, and how to fix these, these issues. Uh, another thing I mentioned social engineering earlier, uh, we are human beings and we are creatures of habit, right? We tend to be doing the same things over and over and over again. Uh, as an example, uh, I, I was told, I think this is true, but uh, I was told, uh, I'm sure everybody who has ever used Windows uh, has heard of the um, blue screen of death, right? Uh, anyone on this on this call? And, uh, uh, 
somebody told me that it's something uh, at Microsoft that they were actually able to uh, pinpoint to one principal developer. It was pretty much making the same mistakes over and over and over uh, again. And uh, that blue screen of death pretty much uh, went through all of the version of the uh, Windows operating system uh, and until uh, the, uh, the most recent, recent one. But really the, the point being, if people are making mistakes, more than likely, they're gonna be making those mistakes over and over again in the future. So if uh, you can do a uh, security scan right before the code is uh, deployed and the developer can find their mistakes and be able to fix it, then that is going in the long, long, long term, right? Uh, gonna bring you a great uh, return on investment where your software is going to be a lot more uh, secure than otherwise. And it's gonna cost uh, the, the organization a lot less money to fix the problem before uh, they are created than to try to fix it after the software has already been uh, deployed. Uh, but uh, really this uh, last point, I think is probably the most important. Uh, organizations shouldn't just be providing lip service to security and trust, but we really need to put our money where our mouths are, right? If uh, security is important to senior management, uh, it shouldn't have the uh, smallest budget in the uh, organization. Right. And uh, it is really something, and I believe uh, I am seeing a change across the industry now. Uh, I am a member and a volunteer uh, for the uh, private director uh, association and a lot of uh, corporate board, even here in uh, California, there seems to be a push that uh, at least a member of each one of those corporate board is very familiar with uh, cyber uh, be because ultimately the board of director is responsible uh, to kind of you know, manage the risk and also kind of set the strategic direction of the organization. And uh, security has to be that uh, important. Uh, so that's that's uh, kind of what I, I wanted to uh, start uh, uh, sharing if anybody has a, a question or a comment. I'll start one. On the, the whole thing yes, you were yes. talking about with the with the shift left, um, can you yes. explain that in terms for um, more and think a little earlier in career, uh, like mm -hmm. like if 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 you were to get hired into to like the first or second level jobs into these kind of things, what is it that it would look like when you're when you're doing that shift left? So for example, if you're if they were hired into a job and they were doing it the old way, sort of IT mm -hmm. one versus the newer way where you're trying to get up the stack better. Explain what that looks like to somebody that hasn't been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years, right? Yeah, so uh, I, I really believe that is critical, right? Because almost every day today, uh, you will hear in uh, the news or at least every other day, there is a data breach uh, somewhere. So there is obviously something that uh, we are generally doing that is just not uh, working. And uh, we probably need to kind of uh, uh, think outside the, the box or we think the way we have been uh, doing security. So when I, when I say shifting security left, uh, what it really means is first, you know, security is a priority in the entire organization. Actually, one, one thing I, I want to, to kind of uh, add to this just uh, as a background. When, when I moved to Silicon Valley in 2014, the first organization I ever worked for, I really felt like, uh, the engineering department didn't care at all about security. I mean, absolutely not, not at all. 
right? And it's it almost seemed like security and engineering were really butting edge almost every day. We didn't have the same vision. We 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 were not uh, aligned at at all. And in most of these uh, organizations here, uh, you know, people in engineering they they get paid a, a lot of money. They are very talented. You know, they are the usually the reason why the company is in business uh, in the first place. And uh, and uh, you really do not want to get into their their way, right? But then again, you you kind of realize, okay, my job in security is to make sure that we develop the software as quickly as we can, but we need to make sure that we're following the best practices and we are uh, secure, right? So kind of like uh, uh, Stephen, what you mentioned, like in the all the ways, I still re re remember when I used to work for a big organization where uh, we, we used to have uh, everything on uh, premises, right? Uh, we would uh, develop the uh, code. It, sometimes it, it would take a, a couple of months or so, not every two weeks, like like uh, I've seen you in Silicon Valley. But uh, then once the uh, code uh, is out, we would have you know, beta tester and so forth and, and find uh, those vulnerabilities and then try to kind of fix them uh, after the fact. And I think that is still valid, but, but I really believe what is even better is to really do the security testing, the security assessment as close to the developer as possible, right? So again, I, I am really thinking, I, I, I guess it is two ways. Top down, I think is important. You know, if you work for an organization and senior management or the board doesn't care about security at all, they just look at security as, a, as an expense and uh, they don't really see the, the value, I think that is a, uh, mis a mistake. So I do believe that senior management absolutely has to support the security program, but I also believe that uh, it needs to go from the bottom up as, as well. So uh, basically the uh, uh, security function needs to permeate throughout the entire organization. It has to become part of the uh, culture. And part of that is to also train and uh, develop uh, the uh, developer, those who actually uh, create uh, the uh, codes to make sure that they understand how to uh, not just develop code and application, but do it in a safe and secure way, right? Following the best practices and uh, making sure they at least check for the uh, top 10 uh, OWASP uh, vulnerabilities, right? Because in the great majority of uh, the data breaches we have seen, uh, usually uh, the software was vulnerable to at least one, one of the uh, uh, top 10. Uh, so the, the, the thing with security too is, I firmly believe is, uh, I kind of uh, alluded to it earlier, you cannot be 100% secure. Even by, by doing the best practices, even by uh, shifting everything to the left, uh, it is definitely going to greatly uh, improve your security posture, right? And uh, reduce the avenue of attacks, but it cannot make you 100% safe. I think the only way uh, for your software to be 100% safe is to really turn off all of the uh, uh, computers and uh, disconnect them from the internet, then no, nobody's going to be able to get into your software. But as long as it's turned on and it's, it is it is connected, there's going to be a way for someone to uh, get in. Uh, in many ways, I look at it as uh, job security, right? Being in the uh, uh, security industry, uh, because the bad guys are always going to, to find uh, a way to get in. But then the good guys too have to improve uh, their game. And, and it's kind of like a mouse and a cat game. No? They get better, we get better, and we have a uh, counter uh, attack to the attack. And then they, they don't just give up 
and uh, abandon, right? They, they come up with innovative ways of uh, uh, finding vulnerabilities and ex 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 exploiting them. And then we have to, to get even, even better. But more specifically to your uh, question, Steven, I think what that looks looks like uh, at the very beginning of uh, shifting security left, uh, it might annoy your developers a, a little bit because they're gonna feel like they are slow, right? They're not um, developing the, the, the code and um, publishing it as quickly as they used to because uh, they are going to have to stop for you know, a few moments to actually check their code and see if the, the code is vulnerable to any of those uh, uh, top 10, top top, top 20 uh, OWASP vulnerabilities. And, and once um, any one of those vulnerabilities have been validated, then the developer is going to be taught, okay, this is a problem and this is how you fix it. This, this way, they will not be making this mistake over and, and over again. And then once, uh, the uh, their code passes the uh, security check, then it is merged into the uh, main uh, repository and then uh, deployed. So again, by doing so, you have less and less uh, non-vulnerabilities in your public code, but also uh, you are finding those vulnerabilities very, very uh, early on. So really in the long run, the organization is uh, saving uh, a lot of money and also uh, growing and uh, developing some uh, uh, software developer who are more aware of uh, security vulnerability. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I got plenty more questions that I can keep going cool. with, but other people should go Please. ahead and come off of, off of mute and, and ask them, or, or often we have them typed into chat. And, and also one, one thing I, I want to make to make sure, right? I, I, I started my uh, career, I think it was back in 1997. And back then, I was definitely looking up uh, to uh, people in the security function. And it was, I think we are a relatively young uh, community or industry, because uh, I think when I first got started, security was more of a hobby, right, than a real profession. But today we are you know, chief information security officers. And I mean, it is a, a real uh, prof profession. And definitely, I, I feel like I'm, I'm very privileged to, to be uh, in cyber, but it is it is really uh, an industry of the uh, future. So in many ways, uh, I have become one of the people I used to look up to when I first uh, uh, got uh, started. Uh, but the truth is, I don't know everything and really nobody does uh, because uh, the, in this industry, uh, it, it is not like it used to be, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago where you, you went to school, you learned something and, and then you were done with learning, right? I, I actually feel like sometimes, my uh, uh, knowledge becomes obsolete like within a year, a year and a half or so. Basically everything I know is no longer gonna be uh, valid and, I, and I, I need to keep on learning, right? Like I said earlier, the bad guys, they don't just give up. So I, I, I need to, to keep reading and learning and uh, education is extremely, extremely important. And also going into brand new uh, system. Like I remember the big jump we did from having everything on premises to, to the cloud. We've never done the cloud before. And uh, yeah, the security principle remains the same, but definitely the way you apply the security controls are completely different. So you, I think if you are going to be in security, you really have to be pliable and uh, be comfortable working in an environment where you don't always have certainty, right? Where it is ambiguous and you have to make a decision. And also very important uh, being very much uh, willing uh, to learn. I did one of these calls uh, three, four weeks ago, um, and we had um, 
four or five of us that had been, you know, various versions of, of exec uh, security presence. One of the, the students on that call was asking, how do you how do you get used to the idea that somebody's going to attack and no matter what you do, it's going to get broken into, right? Um, so I had my answer off of yeah. that one, but I find that's one of those ones where everybody's experience puts the words in a different order. So I want to hear your answer to that mm -hmm. kind of a question. Yeah, I kind of alluded to it earlier where I say, right, in the security industry, really, it's impossible to be 100% safe. Um, no matter what we do, eventually somebody is going to find a way to break in. And another way I've looked at this is I have to be right 100% of the time. The bad guys only have to be right once, right? And it doesn't cost them anything. Today, for example, when someone sends an email, I mean, it costs them pretty much nothing. And they can take one email and send it to like a million people. They don't need a million people to reply back or click on the link or download the attachment. They just need one person to do it, just one. And you don't wanna be that one, definitely not in my uh, organization, right? So it is really a team's effort. And, and I think it is getting better, uh, but um, I think it is definitely a mistake. And I've seen few of my peers who are quite arrogant and they're like, oh yeah, our software is secure and, and they, 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 they would, some of them would be, I, I think, silly enough to even dare the hackers, okay, come on. And if you can do it, hack, hack my system. Well, eventually they will find a way because it, again, to me, as a security professional, we have to be 100% right, but the bad guys only have to be right once and that's it, right? And, and, and then many, many times too, they, they may be into, your network, but you may not be able to actually uh, find them or you will not be able to know that your perimeter has been breached. And they, they kind of like what happened with SolarWind, right? They were in some of the most secure network for about nine months and nobody knew they were there. And they were just snooping in and, and uh, listening in and uh, kind of having a network map of uh, the in entire network. So those things do, do happen and I really believe as a security professional, you really, really have to work with senior management, with a board of director and really have them understand that there is no silver bullet, right? Just by hiring you or even if they, they gave you a budget that is almost unlimited like we, we do in the Navy, it's no guarantee. Like uh, uh, again, no, the bad guys only have to be right one time. So you, you really have to develop a, I think a defense in depth approach so that if one control has been breached, you have additional uh, control that's gonna give you time to uh, dis to discover and then uh, try to uh, remediate the uh, uh, issues before it is too late. But but you 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 really, really have to be on your on your garden. And that is that is just the the way the way it is. If you are not comfortable working in an environment uh, that is ambiguous then security is not for you. But for somebody like me, I tend to get bored pretty easily. And I can tell you since I've been doing security full-time, uh, no two days I've ever, ever been uh, the same. So uh, I think it is uh, encouraging, uh, inspiring even, right? Knowing that uh, everything I know, I guess psychiatrist is, is the one who, who said it, right? All I know is that I don't know anything. Or the more you know sometimes, the more you know that of what you do not know, right? I, I think it was Rumsfeld who, who talked about the known unknown and then the unknown unknown. But, but just having that attitude of humility 
knowing that no matter how long you've been in this field or how many uh, organization you have uh, worked for, uh, you do not have a single answer. It is a team sport and uh, uh, it really takes an entire organization working together and being uh, uh, aligned in order to be successful. But even then, you know, uh, you may still get, uh, get uh, bridged. So uh, really having the, um, the, the mind and the, the will to learn, I think, is extremely, extremely uh, important. And you know, doing the very, very, very best uh, you can with the resources you've got, and also uh, documenting the, uh, the uh, process. Uh, what I mean by that, for example, in my organization, uh, since I've been doing security full-time, I, I really see myself as an advisor, right? Uh, many, many times in security function, you, you really do not have the uh, direct uh, delegation authority to, for example, tell somebody in IT or engineering what to do. They don't report to you, right? But what you can do, and which I try to do better and better is, okay, this is a risk, right? And I believe it is an acceptable risk. And I'm gonna let senior management know, okay, and this needs to be fixed. Now, I do not have to make the decision to fix this. I do not have to make the decision to approve the budget to fix it, but it is my job to let them know there is a risk and I believe this risk needs to be fixed. And then I will take that risk and for example, take it to the VP of engineering, okay? This is a problem it needs to be fixed. Now, if they tell me, no, we are not going to fix this or we are just not uh, going to ignore it, that is fine, but I want it to be documented. So this risk went from the security department to the engineering department. And if anything happens because of that risk that I told you two or three months ago that you decided to completely ignore, don't fire the CISO, don't fire the head of security. It's not my problem. I told you about it. So I'm gonna keep my job and I'm gonna let, 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 let you know uh, basically, it is. Uh, I am transferring the risk from the security department to whatever department is really uh, responsible for approving the um, budget and then prioritizing it with, within the uh, organization, right? So, uh, I, I feel I feel like in in our industry that is uh, something that definitely needs to be done, and hopefully, uh, the uh, uh, the lifetime of uh, CISOs is going to be more than two to three years per organization the way uh, it is uh, nowadays. Uh, I, I hope that that says you. I was a CISO question. for eight years at two different companies. And, <laughs> and, and by the way, it was it was my organization that found the SolarWinds attacker. So they were only in my place for a few weeks. Um, oh. But I was a CISO at FireEye. So um, ah, let's so double down on that one though, because that actually, uh, the, the people on these calls have, have there's, there's different versions of what people think of when they're talking cybersecurity, right? Because some people would be thinking, how do I write secure code? Some people are talking, how do I do investigations? There's a whole GRC side of thing, the risk and audit and compliance side of things, right? So yes. um, what you were talking about being able to um, like transfer the risk to a different department in the company, my experience as, uh, as CISO was a little different than that because mm -hmm. Like for example, I there were some business units that they would accept all possible risk. They didn't care at all because they just wanted to make their numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And in my position, I ended up having to go like, okay, you don't get to take that risk on behalf of the whole company just because your tiny little business unit wants to do this one on, right? Yes. Um, take it, take it a slightly different direction. So the human being side of that one is a little bit more than do I have a risk register and who owns the risk and do I have a risk exception, right? There's the the managing through influence side of the security job, right? Yes. How, how do you lead? And specifically, how do you lead somebody who doesn't report to you, your 
In that case, you're literally saying you as the VP of security or the, the VP of engineering who outranks mm -hmm. me in a different organization, I need to influence you to do the right thing. And it's not just accepting crappy risk because you don't feel like doing security. Talk about that yes. one, because on that's messy, right? That's like yes. human being messy, right? That is actually quite critical. That is, that is why uh, the, the last um, article I wrote for Forbes, I was saying that security is more than just technology, right? Uh, I really believe, well, I don't know how I came to that conclusion, but I think I was 17 years old. And I just knew that no matter what you do in life, there are three things I believe you have to be good at. One of them is technology. The other one is leadership. The other one is business. It doesn't matter if you are a technology executive. It doesn't matter if you are a banker. It doesn't matter if you are a doctor. My, my original dream, by the way, before I got into cybersecurity was to become a medical doctor. But even as a future medical doctor, I felt like I needed to understand the business of medicine. Yeah, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm going to be saving lives and healing people and so forth. But the bottom line is I need to be profitable. I need, I need to make money to provide for my family. So I needed to understand business. Even if you are in the nonprofit, and I've worked with quite a few nonprofit organization, your, your uh, mission may not be to make money, but to make the world in a better place in whatever area of your interest. But the bottom line is you need to understand business. You need to understand how you raise funds and how you, you spend the fund. And hopefully, you know, you are uh, spending less, I mean, you are spending less, less than the uh, revenue that is coming in. Otherwise, the nonprofit is going to close the doors, right? So really, no, no matter what, what uh, you do, I think uh, you have to have business sense. Uh, and then number uh, two, you need to learn technology. Today, really, technology is part of our lives, really. Uh, even if you are at Walmart or Target, the grocery stores, pretty much now they, they are using computer self check checkout and, and things. They register, it's all computer. Even the car we drive now, it, it is really, all modern cars are really supercomputers on wheels. That is really what uh, they are. So uh, the internet of, of, of things, people use their phone to uh, watch TV and stuff. So technology is everywhere. You have to be pretty good at technology. Uh, you, you kind of have to be, computer literate, no matter what you, what you do. And then number three is what you are referring to, Stephen, uh, leadership, right? My leadership mentor uh, told me when I was 17 or 18 years old that really leadership is all about influence. Uh, and, and I think those are soft skills. It's not hard skills. It's not really all of the uh, tech skills you have to have, but those are extremely, extremely important skill in the security function, not just in security, but I really believe no, no matter what you do, but more specifically, we're talking here today about uh, uh, security. Leadership is really working with people. And uh, uh, sometimes it, it gets messy and it's not easy, right? Uh, and the thing with security, again, in my experience is you don't always get to make the decisions, right? In the Navy, it's a little bit different. Uh, when uh, you do cyber for the Navy, you are pretty much, you know, the sheriff in town, you tell people to jump and they, they ask, you know, how high, right? So you are in charge and you, you tell them exactly what to do. But in Silicon Valley, that is absolutely not the case, at least in my experience, right? Um, engineering will definitely laugh in your face because they know they develop software that brings in millions and millions of, of dollars. They actually help pay for your salary. So usually when security reports to engineering, uh, it's kind of like, I believe there is like a conflict of interest, right? Because your, 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 your boss cannot be the uh, uh, policeman. They can pretty much shut you down right then and there. So, and completely, ignore anything you uh, tell them. So th th that is why I uh, believe people skills is extremely, extremely important. Knowing how to uh, negotiate, knowing how to work as a team, knowing how to influence people. Uh, 
kind of focusing on the uh, mission of the organization and then uh, trying to really get the security uh, program aligned to the business function. I think that is absolutely crucial and that is what's going to make you or break you in my opinion. But, but really leadership is not a science, it is an art form, right? It, it comes with experience and uh, uh, you just have to learn to be in tune uh, with other people and kind of develop this uh, emotional uh, intelligence where you are self-aware self first, aware of, of, of yourself, your feeling, your emotion, but also aware of other people. And sometimes it's also about finding this ally, the sponsor within the senior executive, executive team uh, who really, really cares deeply about security too, right? Hopefully in every organization, there is at least one or two of those people where the VP of engineering may not care about security at all, but the, uh, uh, the CFO, the chief financial officer or the chief legal officer really, really does. And those people have a very, very, uh, very much influence on the board of director and the majority of the senior membership. And those people can be the one to actually uh, drive your program uh, forward from, from, the, from the top down. But I really believe as a uh, security uh, professional, when you first get started, uh, I think the technical skills are pretty important. And I remember the days where a lot of the IT uh, professional or gurus, nerds, like we used to call them, we kind of be in the back of the organization, not having interaction with um, people or customer and just you know, write code or do whatever it is they, they do. But it looks like the higher up you get, you know, the more you have to interact, not just with uh, people from different business units, but with uh, customers as, uh, as well. So you really have to be able to uh, be influential, right? And uh, hopefully uh, in most of the organization I've been a part of, uh, it's very important for uh, the data to kind of drive to the decision. Uh, and the, that too, I think, kind of needs you to be kind of like the business analyst, kind of not just find the technical reason to do something, but also the business reason why we should do it. What is the return on investment? So a security professional needs to be able to talk to business leaders in a way that they can understand, right? Uh, because sometimes it seems like we kind of speak technologies, like we speak this techie language that no, no, nobody else gets. And I think uh, it doesn't help us. It doesn't help IT. It doesn't help uh, security. We need to speak in terms that business people can understand. Like for a very, very long time now, uh, most businesses have been dealing with financial risk and they know exactly how to treat it. And I really believe security risk should be at the very same level. They should be able to understand it in the same, in the same way. And what are the risks to the organization? What does it mean to uh, accept a risk or transfer a risk. Sometimes you may even want to have uh, uh, insurance. And, and at, at sometimes it makes sense for an organization to say, no, we're just going to accept this because it's going to cost too much to remediate this, vulnerable, this vulnerability, right? It is better for us to just accept it. And if anything happens, the money we're going to spend uh, fixing it is going to be much less than what it would have to, uh, taken us to remediate the vulnerability. But, but it is definitely extremely important for security professional to become leaders, right? Leaders of, of men in such a way that even if people do not report directly to you where you cannot tell them what to do, but you are able to influence their decision. And I really believe in most organization, the majority of people are willing to, uh, uh, to be led, right? They are willing to, uh, they are open to a different point of uh, view and uh, 
but you, you just have to bring in, I guess that level of expertise, not just in, in technology, but in business as well, and put it in terms that they actually can understand what you are talking about and what the uh, uh, risks are. And uh, usually uh, once you do that, they will find uh, money in the budget and or uh, prioritize something that is obviously very important uh, yep. to you. So we're, we're right up against on time on this. One of the, the things that we do as a net net on that is like for the, for the students on the call, uh, what we're talking about in the, the leadership and the influence is that that's where it gets down into having like the, all those sort of soft skills of being able to translate the nerd speak yes. to the humans or being able to talk about the tech to the business. Yes. Sometimes the, the world's best technician may not actually be the person you need when you got to go get budget or figure out how do I get more headcount or those kinds of things, right? So yes. all of those kinds of skills also matter. Um, so this is not just a matter of how to become the, the best packet whispering code expert. Uh, we, are, we are right Absolutely. at seven o'clock. So Olivia, do you want something? And by the way, Olivia, I want you to stick around after this call when we're done, but you yeah. want to finish yeah. it up here? Uh, sure. Yeah. And I have, uh, you know, one more, one more question for, mm -hmm. for Rob. You know, one of the, and I put it in the chat, um, our programs in the community colleges, most of them uh, tend to focus on uh, infrastructure security. Uh, we have a few that um, uh, deal, that are programs for application security and some that are starting to develop um, DevSecOps programs to, mm -hmm. for the skills that you're taught, you, you seem to have really every, every other, other thing you're punctuating your points with being able to work with engineering, getting into the code and the applications yes. for um, what 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 do our programs need to do to prepare you know our students to uh, be in those kind of roles? Well, I really believe it goes back to something I, I said. If you're going to get in security, you really have to be willing to learn, right? And have the humility to know that you don't know everything there is to know. And uh, uh, there is so much that is out there that you don't know. I think being curious is extremely important. I think self-learning is probably more important than uh, formal education. Okay. This is what I mean, especially when I went to school, uh, like I say, I was 17 years, years old going to, to college. I knew business, technology and leadership were three things. No matter what I ended up doing, I, I really needed to become very, very good, good at. But if I wanted to get into just IT, information uh, technology, at the University of Alabama, they had a computer science program. But basically, the only thing that would teach you is to learn how to code in two or three or four computer languages. That's it. That's all they would teach you. Uh, but information technology is much more than just uh, you know, coding in Java or C++ or, or whatever. It is so much bigger uh, than that. Actually, the work I started doing uh, full-time in 2002 as a uh, uh, computer technician, I didn't need to learn how to code uh, at all. I was using, at the time it was a Windows network, so I needed to know how to administer a, uh, uh, a server and the network and then trying to make sure I was doing it in a safe and secure way. And I understand that today uh, you have opportunities to actually have a master's degree in uh, cyber uh, security, even so if you doctorate uh, program now. So things, things are uh, getting a lot uh, better where people who decide to, uh, to do computer science don't just learn how to uh, uh, code. But, but, but I think you do need to start somewhere, but you do have to be willing uh, to learn, get experience. And another article I, I, I wrote for, for but I talked about uh, kind of like uh, what it takes to uh, get into the cyber uh, security industry. 
And in my opinion, the most important thing is really experience, right? In the industry, people want to hire people who've already done what they want them to do. People who have done it somewhere before. Uh, that is extremely important. When I hire people, I need to know that what you're gonna be doing for my company, you've done it for some other companies before. And sometimes that is not possible. That's why the second most important thing is uh, formal education. But even with a formal education, I, I believe uh, you really need to focus on hands-on learning. And in many ways, I feel like community colleges do it better than four years university, especially when it comes to uh, technology, right? Uh, and, and then third and last, uh, industry certification like CSSP or Security Plus and things uh, like that. Because you are proving to the employers that, yes, I have the knowledge, I have the skills, and I have a third-party organization who's uh, certifying that I do have the skills to do the job, right? So I think being willing uh, to learn and uh, just get some experience anywhere in the industry, entry-level position or, or whatnot, and start kind of building uh, your career from there and having an open mind and always, always learning. And when you, you can gain third party security uh, certif certification as well. And I think, especially when you are starting, that's gonna be very good, but at a certain level the certification don't mean anything anymore. I think uh, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, I have maybe 28, 30 certification now, most of them are absolutely no good. I mean, I, I, I don't need them at all. I would let all of those expire, ex except maybe for the CSSP because I have put too much energy and money and time into that one. But, uh, but yeah, eventually they don't mean anything. But when you get uh, started, I think it, it kind of forces you to actually get skills and uh, then uh, being able to uh, pass uh, an exam. Does that answer your question, Olivia? Great. Okay. Well, Bob, thank you so much for, for, for your time and, and insights and sharing of your experience. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you. Hopefully, we can invite you back again and have you make you have a part, be a part of our partnership when we continue to look at these programs that we really need, you know, industry input as to how we continue to embellish them. So, thank you Absolutely. so much. Thank you, everyone. I'm going to end the recordings. Bob, I have a really quick question. Thank you for listening to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our channels and come back for more wisdom nuggets on how you may develop into a better leader and achieve greater levels of success. Leadership is the most critical skill. The world will always need leaders to lead others, deploy the next disruptive technology, or execute a business strategy. You may as well decide on counting yourself among the 21st century leaders. See you right here next time on the Leadership and Success Podcast with Coach BZ.